All right. Hello. Uh, we are here again with another amazing Lightning Ventures founder interview. I am lucky to be with Joseph Kelly, the CEO uh, and co-founder for Unchained Capital. Now, who's that Unchained Capital, right? If you've been living under a rock, all right, uh, with your head in the sand and not paying any attention to the Bitcoin world, you may not know uh, about Unchained Capital. But if you're one of the cool kids and paying attention out there, uh, you are more than familiar with everything that they're doing, okay? And what are they doing? They're doing darn near everything okay they're doing so much stuff it's hard to even list it all okay we're going to talk about business accounts we're going to talk about personal accounts we're going to talk about retirement accounts iras uh custody uh trading uh loans um concierge type of onboarding services right a slew of educational stuff um they do a lot uh, they've grown into a monster a behemoth uh, of a company here, and we are pleased uh, that they are uh, letting us participate in our little ragtag uh, group of Bitcoin-only investors. So, um, Joe, thanks for coming and hanging out today, and uh, how are you? Great, Mike. It's a great day in Austin. It's starting to get cool here. Sun's out, though, and yeah, it may be bear market, but we're, we're doing doing well. All right, cool. So exactly that, right? Spoiler, spoiler alert, if you didn't know, Unchained is in the mecca of uh, of Bitcoin land in Austin. They are right there in the heart of it. And I think you have this really cool space. I haven't been there yet myself personally. Uh, the Commons, right? You want to just chat about that real quick? What is that? The Bitcoin Commons, yeah. It was something that we were really keen to invest in when it came time to move to a new space uh, earlier this year. And so we've uh, we've basically leased a floor here in downtown Austin, 6th and Congress, uh, historical building, predates the Federal Reserve, uh, really great spot to kind of build the culture and, and uh, have an identity around where you go to work. Uh, a lot of our people were keen to kind of come back to the office um, after the pandemic and you know, working from home for so long. Uh, but something also important for us in the investment and something we have the room to do with the floor we have is really dedicate uh, an area that's segregated its own suite. Uh, to what we call the Bitcoin Commons. Um, it's meant to be really a common area for Bitcoin companies. There's, there's members, there's sponsors that, that come there and come to work. Um, Marty Bent has a podcast studio that he records the uh, Tales from the Crypt out of. Um, there's conference rooms for rent. And yeah, overall, like on any given day, you can see half a dozen, just a dozen folks in there, uh, generally all Bitcoin developers working on an app or a startup. It's really cool to see. And then uh, monthly, and actually, I've, at least two or three times a week now, I'm not two or three times a month, there is some form of uh, Bitcoin meetup, either the monthly Bitcoin developer meetup, there's a local Austin Bitcoin club. Um, attendees range from like 15 to 150 people. Uh, although bear market probably has more muted cap at like 80 to 100 folks for the, the bit devs. So is that open for everyone then? Can any developer or, or person that's kind of in the Austin area work there and get like a day pass or purchase something? Or is it just for the, the companies that, that are there? I think certainly if you're you're here in town and you're you're in the Bitcoin community, it's pretty easy to get in for a day. Um, there are uh, memberships though; people are going to be there ongoing. And any of the meetups though, those are all open to the public. So there you go. If you have Joe's email address, just email him personally when you're going to be in Austin, and uh, and he'll get you in there. Okay. Sure, yeah. 
So um, let's let's dive right in. I I don't even know where to start. Um, Unchained over the years has went from uh, this multi-sig and they're doing some lending to now they are just full on Bitcoin financial services um, in in every category. Um, So I guess we can start with the lending business, right? Um, sure. And a- actually, we have a, a question from the group is um, with all your sort of uh, now diversified revenue, OK, whether yeah. it's coming from the IRA or it's um, the custody, um, where does the uh, where does the lending uh, revenue sit? Is that still the bulk of it? Now you've got some trading fees. We're going to talk about your intermediate goals of of uh, really uh, building out the more robust trading side of things. But how yeah. does how does that revenue make up uh, the lion's share? Is it still the lending? It's uh, I'd say it's still the, it's the largest uh, revenue line. Um, across the categories our main three revenue lines are lending trading and retirement uh, and so yeah lending is the the largest of those it's, it's, a, it's the one we've been doing the longest uh most historical activity there um and you know we earn revenues from it for origination fees as well as the uh, spread we make on our cost of capital and the uh the loans and the interest rates we issue in that so You've managed, and we don't have to talk about this for too long, but you've managed to uh, get past this amazing milestone uh, in Bitcoin. You know, they call it this uh, this systemic risk moment, right? This Lehman Brothers type scare where you had yeah. the, the BlockFi, Celsius, Voyager, 3AC. Uh, there's probably a few others that I'm forgetting, right? They're halted. Yeah, a lot of fatalities. Yeah. So, you know, it's systemic, but yet you guys really weren't affected. So it it can't be that systemic. So uh, for anyone who may not know, uh, what's one difference between Unchained Capital versus some of these other kind of lending institutions that got their legs chopped out? Yeah, I mean, the the primary difference and really the heart of it is that we always do only over collateralized lending where the borrower's collateral is segregated. Uh, and that meant that when it came to a lowering price and that kind of market, we always had the collateral we could go uh, get to recover principal, margin calls weren't being met, um, and nothing was commingled. So any 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 issues with one borrower isn't going to affect the collateral or collateral maintenance for any other borrower. And so that, that kind of keeping things unique and segregated for loan and for client uh, really ensured there was no, even within unchanged portfolio, there's no systemic risk. A lot of the risk you had at those other shops where it's kind of one borrower goes under, one account really falls under, and then that starts affecting the broader accounts and then the firm's balance sheet, and then kind of everybody gets taken under. So in short, by not being a scam company sort of running your deposits as like a casino, you've managed to escape it. That's a, That's definitely another way to characterize it that would be accurate, yes. Okay, cool. So um, I have another question here. I'm not sure what's off limits or what isn't, but as far as uh, your debt partners, um, how you secure capital, if you're not kind of rehypothecating, if you're not playing those games that these other people are, um, is that uh, is that like a strategic partnership with maybe an investor or someone that you can talk to there on how you kind of secured? I don't know if it's a warehouse line or whatever yeah. they call it, but do you want to go into that a little bit? Sure. Yeah, happy to. And, you know, we can definitely mention one of the partners is very public. It's NIDIG. 
Um, they uh, they provided a significant lending capital commitment last year on the time of our Series A. Um, so that's been uh, one of our primary, if not kind of largest, uh, capital partners for our, issuing our loans. Um, beyond that, we have a number of traditional credit funds, some kind of hybrid funds that play in the, the cryptocurrency industry, uh, as well as individuals and family offices. So kind of a diverse makeup of folks that we source capital from um, that are interested in the return our loans generate and find that kind of risk-adjusted basis for that to be attractive. So in short, by not being a scam company sort of running your deposits as like a casino, you've managed to escape it. That's a, that's definitely another way to characterize it. That would be accurate. Yes. Okay, cool. So um, I have another question here. I'm not sure what's off limits or what isn't, but as far as uh, your debt partners, um, how you secure capital, if you're not kind of rehypothecating, if you're not playing those games that these other people are, um, is that uh, is that like a strategic partnership with maybe an investor or someone that you can talk to there on how you kind of secured? I don't know if it's a warehouse line or whatever yeah. you call it, but do you want to go into that a little bit? Sure. Yeah, happy to. And, you know, we can definitely mention one of the partners is very public. It's NIDIG. Um, they uh, they provided a significant lending capital commitment last year on the time of our Series A. Um, so that's been uh, one of our primary, if not kind of largest uh, capital partners for our, issuing our loans. Um, beyond that, we have a number of traditional credit funds, some kind of hybrid funds that play in the, the cryptocurrency industry, uh, as well as individuals and family offices. The kind of a diverse makeup of folks that we source capital from um, that are interested in the return our loans generate and find that kind of risk adjusted basis for that to be attractive. Okay, so um, two things. One, um, you don't you don't pay you pay interest to people. Is that what you just said? When it comes to financing our loans, yes. Insofar as our loans are a product that clients take do dollars from us, they pay back those dollars over time, but they also pay interest. Um, those dollars get sourced from a capital partner, uh, like a NIDIG, uh, or those others that I mentioned. And so then we are, in effect, you're yielding interest back to those folks. Right. So that's I've got like three bundled questions here for the loans, yeah. which is why is there not a public way that uh, that like uh, some of these other uh, platforms that uh, are in trouble now? Why is there not a way for the public to kind of earn uh, some sort of yield? Right now, maybe that's not on Bitcoin that's, re, you know, rehypothecated, but maybe it is on dollars or something. Is that is yeah. it an MTL sort of issue or? It's a great question. You know, regulations can be an aspect if you're taking dollars from people with some sort of promise uh, around those dollars. Um, you can trip up in issues, advertising and structuring for that product. Um, in our case, you know, we've kind of made the decision early on to not actually go that route, go the route of peer-to-peer -peer lender. Um, kind of because if you watch the fate of a lot of the peer-to-peer -peer lenders that really started up uh, in the traditional financial services over the last decade or two, all of them you know, Lending Club, all these platforms, that ended up being just kind of swamped and owned by hedge funds anyways. Uh, that even though they kind of start with that promise of the Everman can participate in these loans and get an 8% or 10% return, things like that, um, that increasingly just the um, the way those operations is ultimately scaled is you'd like to get your dollars in, in bulk. You go for the wholesale dollar, get $100 million of it at a time that you can source at this cost of capital and then put that out in your product on individual loans. Uh, and so just kind of as a, as a business and on a return, like, like marginal return of um, what product offering and what to invest in and how do we service, you know, maybe a thousand investors with their deposits with us versus the 
10 to 20 hedge funds and major credit partners we work with for the same, maybe potentially same aggregate amount of capital. Um, there's just some efficiency there. And there's some, that's kind of, you know, something as we've just grown uh, up to the witness and, and learned is that that's, that's kind of how the capital markets work, that, it's, that you, you tend to look for those more wholesale partners. And that's where you tend to get the lower, lower cost of capital at a uh, bigger size. Not to say we won't do something like that someday, that I think it's interesting and a good offering. And certainly a lot of our clients are people who believe in Bitcoin. And so look at the um, you know, yields of our loans and see that as a very potentially attractive product for them and their dollars. Uh, just not, not something we've been able to prioritize in a roadmap. Okay. So um, we have like 300 questions here. I'm going to do my best to rapid fire a lot of them out here. Okay. So um, has the rising interest rates affected your margins uh, on that cost of capital? And are those ultimately then pushed off? Uh, I haven't been monitoring the rates. I, I know that um, it, it's, it was usually low double digits. Um, you know, maybe there was a promo or something for a 1% yeah. here and there. Uh, I don't know if that's kind of passed off, but that's, that's the question. Yeah. It certainly does affect us as everyone, anyone, anywhere that, uh, needs to source dollars for something and, uh, source of those through a credit like, uh, instrument, um, that those costs of capital have been up. We did raise our interest rates in the summer. Um, we may raise them yet again. Uh, but yeah, that is kind of a fact of life and, and part of business and the overall, uh, economic climate these days is a higher rate environment. So year over year, just to give everyone an idea, their uh, their loan business um, has doubled. Uh, that is that is that is not only the assets on the platform, uh, but the loan book uh, has more than doubled uh, in the past yeah. year. And uh, us over here at Lightning Ventures, me myself, I love to invest in companies that withstand okay depressed Bitcoin price uh, periods. Okay. And there are often, there are a lot of companies that we've invested in that are having record months and that are doing very well. And I think that Unchained is, um, is a perfect example uh, of a company that is not sensitive uh, to the Bitcoin price. Now, people that are facing liquidations and other things that happen with how they manage uh, their accounts, uh, that's another story. But as far as their business, right, which we're going to talk about, um, we're going to talk about, um, all, all the other metrics uh, as far as total Bitcoin on the platform um, and and vaults uh, and the sheer number of vaults uh, that have been going on. Um, okay, so intermediate term, all right, highest priority right now uh, is scaling trading. Now, trading is relatively new for the Unchained platform. That was something that you couldn't do before. I don't know if I'd call it trading because I think the minimum purchase is like $2,000. Uh, but what's going on with this? How's it been so far? And what are the plans? Yeah, so trading, uh, you know, first it was affectionately called buy Bitcoin. We do uh, support on a limited basis some, some selling activity. But um, it was something the clients could do for uh, a while through Telegram with us. So really operating more like an over-the-counter trading counterparty. Um, now, uh, in part of scaling trading, what we launched uh, this summer, actually in August, is more of an automated capability for clients to purchase in the application. So they can put in their order size, wire us dollars, and then we deposit Bitcoin directly into their, their vault. So really a convenience um, type product, also something more secure. There's no transactions that clients have to go through of staging out of Gitcoin off of Coinbase and things like that. Um, it's a really compelling value proposition and something you can do uh, really quickly. You can 
put an order, wire some money uh, that same morning uh, and get the Bitcoin that afternoon. So it's a pretty quick product uh, or quick and efficient way to get Bitcoin to your long-term cold storage. So how does this work on a state-by-state -state basis with where it started mm -hmm. and where it is today? So we started uh, in, in a limited uh, ge geographic area, just places that we could offer this kind of product without uh, needing a money transmission license. That that uh, footprint is limited to about a dozen states or so. Um, and over the last year, a little over a year, we've worked with our chief compliance officer to expand the uh, the trading geography. So now that we have MTLs in um, well over another dozen states, I think we might be in 30, 30 some odd states by now. Maybe we've climbed over that uh, even recently. Okay. So, um, the IRA, um, yeah. the IRA is live. Okay. This yeah. is not, this is not an idea. All right. This is, you can actually open up, uh, an IRA, uh, with unchained. Um, and, uh, you know, it looks like you chewed through the backlog, right? So how did that go from launch to right now? What type of growth are you seeing? Uh, it's been a great product for us. You know, we first really kind of devised and uh, set in the direction of launching our IRA um, in that kind of late summer of 2021 um, through the acquisition of Keykeeper IRA uh, and Jeff Bandrew who joined us with that acquisition. So Jeff had um, really been an OG in this kind of IRA business and uh, through his business, Keykeeper helped uh, many clients get set up with their own IRA for which they hold their own keys. Uh, so the know-how and knowledge and the practicality uh, to like, to, to make this product work here. Um, so in the, in the few months after joining, uh, we did build up this kind of backlog over this wait list of people that wanted uh, in on an IRA uh, and then yeah, opened up, I think in like December, I want to say 2021, between kind of December and January, started really opening it up and um, certainly out of the gate while there's a wait list to work through, it was great healthy months. And then I'd say it's, it has been one of our most successful product launches as far as the consistent monthly volumes of uh, new clients we'd like to come in. A lot of the work we, we put in have been to kind of making it just a better onboarding experience. Um, I, I'd say we probably have one of the best IRA onboarding experiences across any financial services platform, not just something in, in Bitcoin, um, because we've just kind of done the work to make the forms you fill out and the piece of information we have to collect, just make that all coherent and streamlined within our application. Uh, before there might've been like doctor signs and things, this or that, various pieces of, of things you have to get to us, uh, but to have kind of one streamlined portal uh, as a great advantage and good for the client experience. So um, to put it simply, they went from zero IRA customers last year to say over 500 uh, yeah. now. Um, and that is really cool, man. Really cool. Um, so, okay. So let's talk about inheritance, right? None of us are going to die. Um, but you know, the whole trust aspect of it, right? And inheritance, I know that that is coming, right? Um, do you want to talk about uh, the push that's going into that or how you see this for uh, people in the future? How do they leverage a company like Unchained for their trusts and estate planning and all these kind of other things that are, that are really boring if you're a, if you're a, if you're a, if you're a Bitcoiner, uh, but it's uh, a lot of times the most boring businesses are the best ones uh, to invest in. Yeah, so I agreed. Yeah, inheritance is such a such a key thing. It's definitely one of the number one or number two things someone comes to think about uh, once they begin to have enough Bitcoin wealth to be meaningful to them. And then especially once they invest in their long-term storage solution, like an Unchained Capital Vault, 
uh, but then they want to ensure, okay, how does this go to any beneficiaries or next of kin and things like that. Um, so ways we invest in our one, we have some uh, very uh, knowledgeable resources here. I mentioned Jeff Bander earlier for our IRAs. He's also definitely a, a spokesperson and somebody has put a lot of content on inheritance planning uh, for Bitcoin and, and what, how it's treated, um, how to deal with the potential titling issues and the physical transfer of Bitcoin, things to be advised of. Uh, so we have put a lot of good content out there. Um, and I'd say just definitely one of the, one of the utmost things that we kind of get to provide for people is some place of trust for those remaining kin to go to or work with when it comes to uh, releasing the Bitcoin. And it can be a confusing time um, if someone was passed and uh, the remaining family members are trying to piece together, oh, didn't that's Bitcoin? Was it, this, oh, was it unchained? And if they can find some evidence or some ways that they can get in touch with us and provide the necessary documentation, um, then there's ways that you know our team might be able to help. Uh, should that person have been an on-chain client. So just, just kind of being there in that resource, that, that's a big peace of mind for people, provides comfort. Um, and then the details of how certain things are set up, often that's something to that still be you know, advised by a, a estate planning uh, council or estate planner on, uh, but Unchained is playing a role in that process. It's something we, we definitely do for a lot of our clients. So now is that establishing its own sort of trust company because uh, when you're in financial services, you often have maybe the the trading is its own uh, LLC and you have kind of these things. Is that its own trust company or is that just a product that you offer? It's more of a, uh, I'd say more, from now it's more and more of a content offering. And then uh, there, there is some productization that that goes into it. Uh, we don't have a trust company, um, may, may someday in the future. Uh, you're correct that like certain areas of our business, like trading or others might live in their own kind of entity. Uh, that's a part of Unchain, and that, that entity has the the, the licenses uh, for lending or licenses for money transmission. Uh, and the inheritance side, because not necessarily are we custodian of people's funds, uh, we're not interested or we're not engaged in being uh, a, tr a trust company. So, okay, not to get too into the weeds on the uh, the inheritance and the trust stuff, but um, some of these. Uh tech companies uh, that make it easy. Uh, I went through the process myself of trying to, right? But there's a lot of different things that you put in there uh, and there's your home and there's this and that and the other thing. And as soon as it got to Bitcoin, it basically just broke the entire website and said, mm -hmm. we don't want to talk to you anymore. So does does this trust component, are you going to then work with pre-existing trusts that are out there or are you going to like do the whole shebang with the house and the cars and everything else that kind of goes into it. Um, no. And I guess just kind of backing up a second, we don't do, we don't do like trust or estate planning. Uh, our, our product supports trusts as like, as an account type. Um, and so somebody having set up a trust and then they've got some assets in the name of that trust. Um, they can have that trust, have an account with unchained. So then it's relatively easy to have statements and artifacts and things that evidence Bitcoin associated with that trust um, and administrators or people who have rights into that trust can have accounts as well for with their within unchained um, and might possess keys. Uh, so that's, that's always kind of one, you know, there's different layers to this kind of a thing between, you know, legally, how is a Bitcoin titled? Whose is it? What would the legal system understand about how to just, uh, predispose on where some Bitcoin goes um, or how it's to be moved around in certain instances? There's the physical keys, the actual access, the control of the Bitcoin. Uh, and then there might be some something that's kind of intermediate or in the middle, like an, an unchained account um, that kind of helps with the labeling and helps with the uh, coherent together of those artifacts. You know, Bitcoin, um, so cool, right? It lives kind of so facto, or right? like, like it lives outside of a lot of these facts and this idea of legal systems. 
Um, it is, uh, is just out there as a different form of property. Um, so kind of binding it together with financial services and uh, these concepts of trusts and, and who owns what isn't part of the interesting challenge and intersection of uh, being a business like Unchained. So, all right, a couple other things to touch on here that are coming that everyone knows and is excited about, uh, or at least everyone uses and can be excited about. Now, payments, okay, yeah. uh, and integrating Lightning and sort of uh, not just saving, not just in the vault when you think of the, the multi-sig. I mean, it's not really, you're not really dipping in there uh, often. So um, how would this look uh, for Unchained when it happens here? And I know that this is kind of within the next maybe uh, you know, not immediate, uh, but coming down the line. Um, what does that look like as well as maybe payments, merchant services, some other types of things? Yeah. So, you know, it's still a, an underexplored area for us. Uh, I think lightning's super fascinating. Um, it's, it's been exciting to watch its growth and witness the uh, proliferation of different services and applications for lightning and, and, uh, and uh, merchant adoption, certainly in a real sense. Um, we do have it in the roadmap for next year. Uh, can't really articulate, uh, especially not publicly yet, like what our exactly our plans are. Um, I will say, you know, they do intersect with things like um, people's, you know, regular accounts they have with Unchained. Um, we, as, a, as a credit financing institution, we do think about credit products on Lightning. I think that's an interesting uh, avenue for us to consider. Um, so yeah, we're really trying to do whatever we can to, to I don't know, best provide something of value to our you know, thousands of clients now that. Uh, look to us for their Bitcoin financial services um, and try to find that next thing or the next most exciting thing that could live on Lightning or be part of the Lightning network and facilitate payments or something else for them uh, or a merchant, say. Okay, so despite um, the price action and what's going on, um, vaults uh are at an all-time high. Now that's like the uh, that is like the core original. That is the OG Unchained product, right? Uh, Originally, we started with, with lending loans. Actually, that was the very first product um, uh, we like you know, had a customer for. Was we started lending in uh, back half of 2017. Um, our Bitcoin secured loans. Um, even then, you know, that was before we kind of really integrated with hardware wallets that, that clients could hold. Uh, and so it's it kind of started with, with uh, loans, Bitcoin backed loans. Um, within a year, it launched a more of a multi-institution uh, lending product that allows clients to hold a key. And then that really kind of set us on, on the course for vaults and our vaulting product that launched in 2019. So growing at 225 or so, give or take per month, um, that's a ton. And um, we had a question here about the difference between sort of the business uh, versus personal. Um is there a big need uh, at this kind of early stage uh, in Bitcoin for a lot of businesses uh, to use these products or is it mainly personal? Definitely the um, most frequently open account type with us is personal. Um, business is, uh, is, is a fraction, uh, but still a sizable portion of the, the account types that get open. Um, I'd say definitely yeah, multi-sig is really, uh, really in a good like, fit with businesses that want controls, uh, multiple like people that have access to or have segregated access to different parts of their Bitcoin treasury. Uh, and so whether that's different uh, individuals, different locations for keys, or access to um, an account through which you administer or stage transactions for the use of those keys, um, that all that stuff is, is really something well uh, managed through software. 
uh, and something value add that Unchained can, can provide. Uh, so then one of our theses and ways we look at the, the space is that you know, multi-sig for individuals, relatively a, you know, a, a technology problem that would, might be uh, increasingly commoditized, increasingly uh, something done with more applications, more and more services, um, not always the most value additive thing that um, a software platform can do. Uh, we do more than that through on-chain platform, us holding a key is certainly valuable, uh, us and the, um, the experienced people we have that can provide support and the other uh, ancillary financial services we provide all kind of create experience around your multi-sig setup as an individual. Um, but businesses are a little different. They're just more complex. They have different user types, archetypes, um, account level controls. And so those are all things that come into play uh, in a business setting that uh, Unchanged Platform is, is well suited for this one. Okay. So I promise we're going to let you go here in just a minute. Um, so everyone talks about your competitor or your closest competitor, Casa. Um, I, I, they're not doing 90% of what we discussed on this call. Um, but you said it yourself uh, that they are, you know, everyone compares them as, as your closest competitor. Yeah. Um, from a competitive aspect or some, some key differences, uh, you know, like what is the main difference there? Because they're just doing uh, one product uh, that you're doing. Uh, do you want to just touch a little bit about a uh, competitive landscape as a whole and address CASA? Yeah, you know, certainly on a like for like basis, like their uh, their offering, their core vault offering is is just like our vault product as a as a multi sig uh, kind of account based thing you can uh, you can use. Um, they differentiate in a number of factors, but uh, you you also really just hit on like our main differentiation as a company is Unchained is a financial services company, and that's something we. Um, except that we've invested in and have been, been part of our DNA and makeup uh, and mission really ever since day one. Uh, so those things come together for us in terms of building an integrated experience for our clients, um, which I think is is great for people that, you know, our, our, our mission has always been to serve the long-term Bitcoin holder uh, with all their financial services needs, um, especially when those people value self-custody and holding their own keys. So being that kind of home for the Bitcoin and, ways they can access loans and lending or have a retirement account, deal with inheritance problems. These are also all things that are uh, commonly served by um, clients, you know, having an identity with Unchained, that we can know who they are, that they can you know, get our different financial services from us as a legal and regulated financial institution. Um, but those things are value added uh, in those, those type of cases. Okay. So you have your crystal ball. It's three years from now. Okay, uh, three to five years from now, um, what do you see as the primary, the bulk still of Unchained's uh, revenue? And is there um, any plans to potentially move outside the U.S. or is this a, a just a U.S. opportunity? No plans to move out of the U.S. Uh, at present. I do think there's a, uh, a, a fraction, you know, more than 5%. I don't know if it's much more than 10% of our clients are actually, in fact, out of the United States. Um, that's one of the neat things about being a non-custodial platform. Like clients, uh, anyone in the world, they have their own two keys and can um, onboard with our platform as long as they're not in an OFAC-sanctioned country. Um, they can maintain a vault with us. Uh, I think in the future, you will see us offer more financial services and jurisdictions outside the United States. It's kind of more of a compliance and bandwidth type of a, a question at that point. Um, beyond that, yeah, I'd say in the future, crystal ball wise, certainly trading has been a, one of the more growing and, and kind of robust revenue segments for us. Um, we do anticipate uh, significant growth there in the coming years. 
Um, lending probably do quite well, most certainly will. Um, and retirement as well, I think is just a, a great business line. It's a great product, um, one of the best experiences. And so, yeah, I think of any of them to kind of maybe eke out into the first, we do predict potentially trading and uh, clients uh, that want to you know, avail themselves of the convenience of buying Bitcoin directly into their, their vault. Uh, I believe we'll see more of that. All right, cool. Well, they're a very well-capitalized company with some all-star names on their cap table. Um, they have a uh, few years of runway. Uh, targeting profitability here, uh, not too far in the distant future. And um, finally, in closing, I mean, what are you most excited about? Or what's one thing that you're excited about? It's one thing that I'm excited about. You're excited um, to get off this interview and get back to work, okay? <laughs> no, nah, uh, it's great to spend time with you, Mike. Um, yeah, and part you know, sealing this round is cool. It's a good milestone for us. I think it's a round that's, um, you know, I've been really excited about just the uh, the growth in the investor ecosystem of Bitcoin oriented, Bitcoin focused investors. Um, Unchained, you know, we're not we're not as OG as even you know Zappo or Bitgo or some of these companies that were like 2013 kind of class uh, startups, but as, as a 2016, 2017 class startup. Um, that's somewhat early still for Bitcoin. It's you know, a nice era to have been started and still be around. And just the, the complete dearth of Bitcoin-focused investors at that time, um, the number of people who just weren't going uh, to get past the first conversation if all you were was Bitcoin only, um, that was pretty much most of the market. And so we were fortunate enough to Mike, make some nice relationships and, and forge uh, some investors that you know came in early and supported us in our, in our vision. Uh, but it's really only now and these days they have people like 1031, Tramble Venture Partners, Lightning Ventures, and other folks like you that like, focus and bring together LPs and investor dollars on, in companies. So um, I really hope to be one of the uh, biggest successes in all of those portfolios so everyone can go raise more funds um, to invest in more Bitcoin companies because uh, that's good for everybody and really good for the ecosystem. All right. Very cool. Well, listen, oh, by the way, Joseph, how many full-time you have on the team as of right now? Around 100. Wow. That is super impressive. By the way, I saw the uh, presentation. I saw the, the multi-sig workshop at TabConf, and uh, I am now confident. I'm confident in my own multi-sig skills now. Oh yes, great. I'm not a big multi-sig guy, all right, because I don't have any Bitcoin. So, uh, But once I get some Bitcoin... I'm going to open up an account. All right, Joseph, thanks for hanging out with us and letting us participate. Appreciate you taking the time. My pleasure, Mike.